What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm Shelly Metling, and I've been sharing my infertility journey openly on YouTube for about a year now. With four losses ourselves and one rainbow baby on the way, I wanted a platform for you babes to share your stories. So girl, sit back, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry, because we are about to get real on the ins and outs of pregnancy loss in the 21st century. Allie, hi, welcome Hello. to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to have you here. We were just talking a little bit beforehand. I'm like, we're going to get along. This is going to be perfect. <laughs> we just already vibe really well together. Spirits. <laughs> yes. Okay, so this is Alicia Anderson, everybody from Allie Andy Enterprise. Did I say all of that right? Yes, that is correct. <laughs> perfect. And I'm super excited to have you on here because the Life After Miscarriage podcast, it's basically just to like end the hush hush stigma to pregnancy loss miscarriage infertility um infant loss everything like just yeah. everything and it's just there's so much like people don't really talk about it and it's an, an extremely lonely experience so what I want on this podcast is just for you know a platform for people to come listen to other people's stories so awesome. with that being said you are very open about your story I don't know a whole lot about it yet okay so I will be learning with everybody else and I'm really <laughs> excited because you're an author I of am. the book still still here yes is that correct? yes that is correct and yeah you have you have a whole journey of your own so why don't you just start from the beginning Okay, so the beginning um, starts with my husband and I. We actually met, um, my aunt likes to call it nerd camp. So we met at a <laughs> science camp in New York um, in 2000 and I believe it was 2007. Um, and it was just a 10-week internship. And I like when I met him, I thought he was so cool. But I was like, I'll never see this guy ever again. <laughs> but we ended up keeping in contact. And we actually, so we went to school in two different states. So I went to school in Florida. He went to school in Louisiana. And we kind of kept in touch. So we started dating. And we dated long distance for four years until we got oh married. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so we never lived in the same state until after our wedding day okay wait um, what was so... that like <laughs> <laughs> it was very interesting like we just we really learned how to communicate because that's pretty much all we could do um yeah we would kind of visit each other try to visit each other like at least every other month okay. but we were still broke college students at the time <laughs> so you know we just tried to make it work um that's when like Skype was really big yeah Skype but yeah, definitely an interesting beginning to our journey. Um, so I feel like that just, builds that builds a very strong relationship. It does. It does. I, I was like, I love it because we were like friends first. So I love that we were friends. And then we just really learned how to communicate because that's all we could do, basically. Yeah. That, so, you know, and this probably came in handy with yes. what you guys have all got. Oh, through. my gosh. Yes. So it just, it, like, worked itself out. I mean, we ended up moving in. So he got a job right after he graduated to in Georgia. So I ended up, um, after I graduated, I moved back home to Michigan. I'm from the Midwest. And then I finally moved to Georgia eventually um, once we got married. So... Once we got married, we weren't in a rush to have kids because we never had really spent time yeah. with one another just by ourselves. So, 
Of totally. course, as soon as you walk down the aisle, the first question everybody asks you is when you're going to have children. <laughs> and we're like, we have no clue. We just kind of want to spend this time together. You're like, I need to make sure I can exactly. spend living with him first. <laughs> so we just kind of try to get to, to know each other. So we got married in 2012. Um, and we, di- we, we weren't not trying, but we just kind of were like, we'll just, um, you know, Spend time happens, with one another. Happens. Yeah. Yeah. So I was on birth control at the time. And then I eventually got off. And so my doctor's like, well, it'll probably take like up to a year to get pregnant. So we were like, okay, fine. You know, we'll just, when it happens, it happens. And it's a month after I got off birth control, I got pregnant. Oh my goodness. <laughs> In the summer of 2015. And so we were like, first we were like, Oh my God. <laughs> now, were that you tracking? Happened, oh, like, were you tracking I, anything? I wasn't tracking. Like, I literally okay. got off the pill and then, you know, we tried a few times and then it was like, you're pregnant. So, yeah. and the reason that I took a pregnancy test was because I had started, um, I was going to start selling some, um, it's, it's one of those kind of like a herbal life kind of thing. Okay. And yep. so they said, you know, if you're pregnant, you shouldn't take some of the product. And so I was like, just to be safe. Um, I'm going to take a test and I was pregnant. So the line was very, very faint. And my husband was like, you're not pregnant. <laughs> I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Um, Isn't that funny though? <laughs> like, I swear if they can't full on see the line, they're like, oh no, that's not like, positive. That I'm like, a line is a line, man. <laughs> I was like, I promise you. So I took two in a row. He's like, I, it's still too faint. I, I need you to make a doctor's appointment. So Made the doctor's appointment, ended up being pregnant. So we were really excited. But my husband's like, I don't want you to tell anybody because, you know, you got to get through that first trimester. So we're like, okay. So that first 13 weeks was so hard for me because I talked to my mom like four times a day. And so I was like, how do I not tell her? I don't know how you made it. (laughs) It was a struggle. So finally, in like October of 2015, He's like, you can finally announce it. So, of course, you have to make it Facebook official. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I let everybody know that we were expecting. So, of course, everybody just showered us with their congratulations. And it was just a really exciting time. Um, at the time, I ended up planning a gender reveal. Okay. And so um, I, I planned that. So that was in December of 2015. So all my family and um, a couple of Derek's family and friends came to Georgia from all over. My husband's actually from Seattle. And so um, and then my parents and family are mainly in Michigan. So we just kind of invited everybody. We had maybe like 40 people at our gender reveal. It was so exciting. We were just bubbling with joy. Um, Yeah. So we found out we were having a little boy. And so we were going to name him after my husband. So he was a junior. Um, so we like to call him DJ, but Derek Jarrell Anderson Jr. was his full name. And from there, um, so we did our all our, you know, our our appointments. Everything was fine from, you know, when we first got our pregnancy test. So I think the first time I went to the doctor, I was like six or seven weeks. So they show you the little ultrasound and you could just see the little yeah. bean and the heartbeat so it was just like oh you know yeah. you fall in love instantly uh-huh and so everything was going fine pregnancy was fine I didn't have any type of um terrible symptoms like I, I, I didn't have morning sickness or anything I was just always fatigued yeah at the beginning but nothing out of the ordinary I didn't have any and it's kind of like at that 
at that point, isn't it kind of like, well, why wouldn't it be? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, like, did you even think twice about absolutely like it? Not. Yeah, like, exactly. I was just like, oh my God, in the bliss, you know, in the fog of pregnancy, just love everything. And then we went back for our 28 week appointment because I was supposed to um, see if I had gestational diabetes. So they wanted yeah. to do the test. So they're like, we're going to give you the drink. We'll um, let it sit for a little bit before we test you. So we're going to do an ultrasound first and then we'll go from there. So this was a Friday. I can remember the date like yesterday. So it was January 15th of 2016. And so we go in for our ultrasound. I had been with the same ultrasound lady every time. So I was fine. She's like, do you have to use the restroom? So I'm like, let me go to the restroom first. Then I sit down and of course he puts the gel on my tummy and we were just excited because we hadn't seen him since the 20 week um, ultrasound appointment so yeah. just excited and then as soon as she started she kept scanning and she's like there's not a lot of fluid around the baby so of course as a first time pregnancy I was just like okay you know I'm thinking you can just drink more water what is it that yeah. I need to do you know so I, I thought nothing of it like like and almost she, like she's just stating a fact yeah yeah like, like okay, you know yeah. the baby doesn't have a lot of fluid but it wasn't like a scary kind of statement but yeah. it was something like, okay, just put a pin drop there. Yeah. And then she kept scanning and she said it again. So then she's like, well, let me go get the doctor. And when she said that, I was just like, oh no, what's wrong? And my husband's yeah. like, don't jump to conclusions. Everything's going to be fine. We'll just wait to hear what the doctor says. But I was like, there wasn't such like grandiose, you know, about our, our ultrasound when we had it at 20 weeks. So I couldn't understand why everything was kind of so... It just seemed eerie, kind of. Mm -hmm. And so when she got back in the room, she's like, okay, I'm going to clean you up and you're going to go across the hall to talk with the doctor. So I was like, okay. So we get across the hall and there's two doctors in there and one has a Kleenex box. So I'm like, oh my God. Here we go. So we sit down and she's like, I'm sorry to tell you, but the baby no longer has a heartbeat. And that's just kind of where it ended. So I just... I kind of (laughs) just went into not shock, but just like where you're not processing what they're saying. Um, And so at 28 weeks, I mean, I went to the doctor's office excited and pregnant and I left having to decide what to do next. Um, And so I was devastated. And my husband, we both are um, engineers by trade, but my husband is very analytical. So he's just like, okay, what to do next? Like his first instinct was like, okay, so what do we have to do? He likes to know like step by step. And so they were just like, so either you can have the baby tonight, we'll wear admit you into the hospital tonight. Um, And we were just like, we don't think that's good because we just need a process. Yeah. So we were like, what's the next option? So they said, you can come in sometime this weekend. So we were in um, in the doctor's office on a Friday. So they said, you can come between... Saturday or Sunday to have the baby in and we can induce your labor or you can um, just let the pregnancy kind of um, ramp up on its own and you could just deliver the baby within like a two week span on your own and they were like but we don't kind of recommend that one just because there could be complications with you as well so we ended up saying we would come back the next day but once we went home um, that's when we just finally tried to process everything and it was just like my husband and I um were pretty religious so we 
you know, we prayed and that was the one time that I saw my husband just completely break down. Like we're, we're in mid prayer and he just bawled and we just held each other. Um, and we just really didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, we did call our parents. And so my husband was the one, thank God for him. Um, he called each of our parents and kind of told them one by one what happened very briefly, nothing like very extensive because we didn't even really know what to expect from there yeah. so it was just kind of like Alicia lost a baby um he no longer had a heartbeat and that was kind of it and kind of let them deal with that news on their own which we felt terrible you know after the fact like kind of just like detonating bombs one yeah. by one yeah. unfortunately um and so we kind of let them kind of handle that and then our parents called our extended family members and kind of let them know so that we wouldn't have to keep rehashing um, the truth of that. So that was very, very tough. That first night was one of the toughest um, that I can remember. Yeah. How do you mentally process like, okay, 28 weeks is like that third trimester. So yeah, it's like right on the cusp between that second and third. So you're just like, once, once I got past the first trimester, I was like, oh, I'm good. You know, like, all the things you see is just like get past the first trimester you know yeah and then even reading like pregnancy books they don't really have like I can recall one of the books I read it maybe had a paragraph about baby loss maybe maybe out of like a 300 page book so they don't go into detail about what loss looks like yeah and I could just recall myself because I I was like I don't even know like the first time I heard the term stillborn was when I Googled it. So I Googled a loss at 28 weeks, literally, and it the the term stillbirth popped up. And so that's kind of how I found out about stillbirth. Had that's never like heard how of it. you figured out like what was happening. Yes, really. yes. Because okay. I was like, what do you call a baby that passed at 28 weeks? Gas Which station. Is just like, like I so had... weird that you even have to like exactly go like, through it's that like, almost you know? like an underground like society yeah. so like once you <laughs> figure out you have baby loss then it's like this huge pandora's box opens and yeah. you're like what mm-hmm. is all of this yeah um <laughs> and so i i looked that up and i kind of googled images just to see and so i was like i don't know if i want to see my baby like I was just so confused as to what was next and, like, and everything's happening so fast it is too. it's like a whirlwind of and everything happens very quickly um and so I I remember texting one of my good friends and she was like unfortunately this happened to my cousin but she said one thing I would recommend she said I can't tell you either way to go but she said I would really recommend that you see the baby yeah and so I was like still on the fence but she was like I promise you it brought my cousin closure as much as closure can be brought to you know for a situation like this and so Mm -hmm. she was like that would just be my two cents but I support you either way you know um and so that kind of stuck in my mind and basically once I talked to everybody I texted a few of my friends and just asked them like don't please don't text and call like just, you know, give us our space for now. Because everyone wants to, because that's, like, do. naturally what they <laughs> want to do to, like, exactly. make, almost, like, make themselves feel better Absolutely. about being there for you. But, like, yes. sometimes it's, like, I just need Yeah, I need nothing. Yeah, I, I, just, I literally can't even tell you. Like, I can't explain what's happening because I don't even know. Yeah. Um. So people, of course, just want to know and just want to help and be there to comfort. But I'm, like, mm-hmm. okay, just give me some space and then. Once we go into the hospital and things progress, I'll kind of keep everybody updated through text. 
Mm-hmm. And so um, that night, I just kind of pulled out my journal before I went to bed. And I just literally wrote until my hands got tired. Like, I still have that journal. But just to see, like, those raw, unfiltered emotions was pretty um, – it was just devastating. Like, I, I don't yeah. know any other way to put it. And so – Do you ever go back we, and read them? I do. Just to kind of mm-hmm. see my progression through grief. Yeah. Just because yeah. – Mine's all on YouTube. And yeah. I, I'll like go back and watch some stuff and I'm like, I can just feel like every emotion. Exactly. Like you can literally put yourself back into that mm-hmm. day, that time, that space. Um, yeah. And so it was just, it was very rough Um, because up to that point, like my husband and I, we, you know, our marriage was pretty smooth sailing and we were just enjoying each other's company and we were just so excited to start a family. And so once we had to go into the hospital, um, that's where I feel like, cause I just, I, I prayed that God would give me strength and like peace over the situation. And I could just kind of see things being orchestrated in our favor. Um, when we went into the hospital, because it was like my nursing staff, first of all, the hospital that I was at, they were stellar in dealing with baby loss. And so they put you on the floor. It's not by other um, women that are having babies. Oh, that's amazing. So, like, I never heard any babies crying or anything. I had a really large room to myself. Um, and they were they put something on your door. So, it's like a fallen leaf. And that symbolizes that you're going through loss. And so, okay. that when the doctors come in and nursing staff and things like that, they're a little more sensitive to you and your needs. Um, and so I had one particular nurse and I actually um, sent her a book um, recently and she just told me that she finished it. And she was just in awe about how they um, just helped me through the process. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, if it wasn't for you guys, like your staff and just how warm and welcoming you guys were for us um, during that really rough time, I don't know how I would have made it through the hospital like journey. So um, they just really took very good care of us. And they were like, whatever you want to do with your baby, this is the time to do it. So they were like, we are open to anything, whatever that looks like for you. And of course, at the time, I wasn't really sure what that would look like. So um, I didn't necessarily prepare, but there's a whole chapter in my book that just kind of talks about what happened in the hospital, just in case people do go through that portion. Yeah. Because they ask you a million and one questions that you just wouldn't think Don't. you would need to answer. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, like, they're like, do you want him to be buried? Do you want him to be cremated? Do you want to have a service for him? Do you want um him to have a name? And do you want to hold him? Do you want to see him? Do you want, you know, pictures and fingerprints and I mean the the list goes on and on and you're literally like I'm here to deliver a my deceased baby and I have to answer a million questions and, and so, how do you how do you answer those questions um the the great thing so my mom ended up flying in that day that next day that we went into the hospital so my mom was there with me and then my husband and like we just said whatever it is we just need to be on the same page and that was mm-hmm. kind of our you know our our motto for being in the hospital and so we literally talked through each decision and we were like as long as we're both fine with that we're we're still his parents and so this was like our act of love for our son DJ like we can be his parents in this moment so whatever we choose is what's right for us you know yeah 
Um, and so that was just kind of the way we approached it. And so we ended up getting him cremated because um, we, we didn't know how much longer we would live in Georgia. So we didn't want him buried there just because I was like, if I ever leave, I would feel horrible leaving him here, you know? Yeah. So we ended up doing cremation. And the awesome thing, again, with our hospital, they pay for everything. So they pay, they have um, funeral homes that they're in contact with. So whether you want to do burial or cremation, they pay for the service, they pay for caskets, they pay for cremation. Oh, wow. Yes. So, I mean, it was just very painless. Like they come in, the funeral home comes and picks up the baby. So you just fill out paperwork to release the body to them. They cremated, they had everything ready. So they just call us once his ashes were ready and, you know, that worked beautifully. So like everything just kind of, worked itself out and I did kind of feel that peace. So I was actually in the hospital for from Saturday and I had DJ on the 18th of January, 2016. And so it was a long process of just trying to be induced and get, you know, to 10 centimeters. And finally, once I was ready to push, I probably pushed like five times max and he came out and it was just such a, it was almost like you're encountering an angel. Like it was just so peaceful in the room. It was just my husband and I, and then of course our nursing staff and the room was just so still. And I can kind of put myself back into that, that moment, but it was just so beautiful. Like I literally examined like every little crevice of his little body. He was um, a pound and a half and he was about, I think 12 inches long. So um it was just like one did of it those come moments. Very nat- did it come very natural? Because I know you said you weren't sure what you wanted to, you know. Yeah, and then like, once he was born, was it just like, yep, give him to me. Like, Yeah, I, I it was kind of like, you know, this is the baby. Because we talked to my nurse before I even pushed. And so she was like, do you want to see him? She was like, you don't have to make the decision. But, you know, sometimes they could come out looking different, you know, because they're not fully developed and things like that. So she was like, you don't have to see him if you do not want to. You know, mm-hmm. whatever makes you feel comfortable. So at that moment, we were just like, we want to see him. We want to hold him no matter what he looks like. And for the most part, he just looked like a really tiny baby. You know, he was developed um, as as much as a 28-week-old could be. Um, but off fingers and toes, everything looked fine. Um, and so he just basically came out like he was sleeping. That's kind of what he looked like. So we call okay. him sleeping, sleeping angels is kind of the term for um, stillbirth. But okay. Yeah, so we just kind of looked at him and examined every little piece of him. And I I can't remember how much time passed from the time that we got him um, until they kind of took him out the room. Um, But we just kind of spent time with him as a family, just my husband and I. My mom opted not to see him. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was interesting as well, just because, you know, she's like, I didn't want to take away from you guys moment. And so... We just that may, I saw, mean, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just, and, and I'm like, you can't really force people in this because it's just kind of like, you don't know what to do. So every, yeah. I feel like everybody is right in their own way. Mm-hmm. Like you just do what feels best for you. Yeah. Um, and so we just kind of went from there. They, they did everything like they would do a normal baby. So they weighed them and measured and, you know, took fingerprints and um, footprints and things like that. And then, they also um, asked if we wanted pictures of them. So we, we opted to do that. So they had a person come in free of charge, took his pictures, did like basically like a little photo shoot um, mm-hmm. like, like they would do for any newborn. And then we got those pictures free of charge. So it was just and those like pictures are something that I hold 
so dear to me yeah. because at the time I didn't I didn't even think to like do a video or anything like that. So those are the only things that really you have. like solidify yeah. him to me um, because sometimes it almost feels like a dream because yeah. it just happened and then you know life moves on unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that I hold those pictures very dear to me. And then of course my hospital gave me like this really beautiful memory box. So it came with books in it. It came with literature, came with different groups you can connect with like via Facebook and things like that, different organizations that deal with baby loss. So they just, I mean, they just went above and beyond everything that we could have imagined as far as the hospital stay. Um, and then once we left, I literally gave birth to him on the um, 18th that morning at 6 48 and we left the hospital by four o'clock oh, that wow. same day and so they were like you can stay as long as you want but I was just like there's pretty much nothing left for me yeah. here so we decided to go home that day and I think being wheeled out with no baby is yeah. just the uh it's so devastating um because you just feel like I came here for one thing and I don't get the prize at the end you know so mm-hmm. You're pregnant. I mean, I still had stretch marks. My um, breasts were getting, like, milk coming in, so they were hurting. And it was just, like, all the things that your body thinks for a pregnancy, but you just don't get the baby. And so it's very tough just physically on you because you just don't don't know. I don't think people realize that either. Yeah. Like, they just – you think when you hear, oh, somebody had a baby loss, you're just like, oh, well – you know, it's sad, but they can always do this again. But it's like there's a physical part of that. There's mm-hmm. the mental. There's the spiritual. It's just all of these things that are going on. And, you know, people just kind of, like, move on. Like, oh, you know. And how did you, how did you guys process everything? Like, how did you get <sighs> through it? Like, do you have any, like, action steps that, like, worked for you guys? So, uh, I know a big po- portion. One thing that my nurse told me that I will just absolutely never forget is that men and women grieve differently. Yes. And I never would have have thought that. So, she said, um, I have met countless couples who have not made it through this because they just cannot get on the same page. So she's like, whatever you do, give each other space enough to grieve on your own terms, but always talk about it. And so that was just like something huge that we decided to do. Like, I was like, if my husband needs a break to process, because his way of dealing with it was physical, like going to the gym, going going back to work, you know, just doing things to make him busy per se. Mm-hmm. And my way was like reflective, journaling, talking mm-hmm. about it, you know. And so we were very opposite on how we grieved. But I always would check in with him to make sure he was okay. Like, if you want to talk about what just happened, let me know. And we would have our in-depth discussions about what happened. So I would definitely recommend knowing that you guys will probably grieve differently. And even if they guys don't show it, um, that they are processing it. It just may not be in the way that we do. I can relate Um, to that so much. I wrote that in my ebook, actually, a chapter. Oh, my gosh. Like marriage after miscarriage. And it's like, I I mean, that's so awesome that the nurse told you that. Because I had to figure that out on my own. Oh, my gosh. It was definitely, like, there were so many fights and just Uh, arguments of, like, why aren't you going through this? Why are you going through this? (laughs) And then I realized, and I wrote about this, it's like, I, I realized I couldn't depend on him, if that makes sense. Yeah, that like, makes perfect sense. And it's like, 
yeah, open communication was what we needed, but like mm-hmm. I also could not depend on him. Yeah, I had to and it's like they just don't myself. get it because yeah. you're the one that holds the baby. So yeah, the way that you bond with the baby is a lot it's different than different. them. Yes, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. and, so, and that's perfectly fine, you know. But yep. it's just kind of like you have to be able to <laughs> like process on your own. I, I feel like you have to be able to look inward and see like what you need. Yeah, and like my husband was awesome. Like any, because like that first few months, I would literally cry every night like clockwork. It's soon like I was in school at the time, so. Getting um a second second bachelor's in school, so my days were very packed, mm-hmm. and so I would go through my day like everything was fine. As soon as I would lay down, it's like the memory of it just would flood back from getting that last ultrasound all the way up to me be- seeing my baby rolled out the room for the last time, you know. So that mm-hmm. would replay every night for like months straight. And I would just cry. So, like, my husband would just grab me. He would know, like, what time it was. <laughs> Every yeah. night, he was like, come on, come on, you know. Um, and so, once I kept going through that, and I was like, I'm just not getting better. I'm not getting better. And he's just kind of, like, you know, back to work in the flow of things. And so, he's like, well, what do you want to do next? So, I was like, I think I need to go to a counselor. I had never been to therapy or anything like that. So, I didn't really know where to begin. So we kind of looked through my um, insurance and we weren't sure kind of where to go. And something told me to look through my school. So my school actually had a counseling center and I was able to get 10 free sessions um, for, you know, being a student. And so I met my counselor. And from there, I feel like that's when my real like grief healing began. Mm-hmm. because it was like I was talking to a third party that had nothing to do with the situation yes. and she can kind of give me tips and so tools needed. that I can use yes, from yeah. like the outside so it's, yep. she wasn't connected to the story but she made me just very comfortable with yeah. like moving forward you know mm-hmm. do you think that's do you think that plays a part in why you share I think Your so, story. but I, the funny thing is I always, like, from the beginning, I would, I just wanted to talk about it because I yeah. felt like maybe it made him feel more real. Yeah. So I had a blog at the time. I, I was a fashion blogger at the time. So I would blog and I just, like, once it happened to me, I would, like, interject things about how I was feeling. I would write Facebook posts, mm-hmm. talk to family members, like, whoever would listen I would get my story and emotions and how I was feeling because I never sugarcoated. I was like, today, I feel like crap. Today is horrible. I miss my son. I don't want to. I'm not doing this for sympathy. I'm just doing it to get it out. Yeah, I have to put this somewhere like all these emotions inside of me have to be placed somewhere. So I had to get it out. And so talking about it just made me feel better. Um, Mm -hmm. And I felt like that really was the spark I needed, like the counseling just put it so that I can have tools to get through what I was trying to say. Um, but she just gave me a more structured way to do that. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. So she really helped me just to kind of place. Cause I know one thing that I would do often was kind of put a bad connotation on when I was sad about it. And she was like, the, your emotions are just that. Like, there's no right or wrong emotion, if that makes sense. So she was like, if you're upset or if you're questioning why, all of those things are very valid in the process of grief. And so she was like, you don't have to hide those bad emotions because you're feeling like that. You can, mm-hmm. If you're envious, if you see a mom with a baby bump, because 
babies didn't really make me sad but if I saw somebody pregnant that would like trip me up because I never really got to finish my pregnancy yeah and so bumps baby bumps really got to me and so she's like you know though that's okay and as long as you're able to pinpoint that not your triggers things like that that will help you to move forward, you know. But Acknowledging you have to be able... things instead yeah. of shoving them down. Exactly. Yeah. Like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, no, mm-hmm. when you're not fine, say you're not fine. And that yeah. is perfectly okay because you Especially had... to your husband. You, yes. you know what I mean? Because yes. I feel like that's a really common thing. Like, my husband and I would have, like, a social event to go through. And I would know that there would be, like, you know, four pregnant women there. Yeah. And at first, at first I was like, yep, yeah, let's go. Okay, good. And then eventually <laughs> I was like, dude, I can't go no. because there's pregnant people there. And he, yeah. he like didn't really understand it, but I had to like start vocalizing like, I can't go there. Like it's going to trigger me and I just can't feel those emotions. Right. Like I just exactly. can't. <laughs> and it, I feel like self-care is so important mm-hmm. during baby loss. Like you have to find ways that just help you get out of the bed in the morning. Yeah. Um, so whatever that kind of looks like for you, um, for me, again, it was journaling big time, just kind of going out and getting some fresh air, um, mm-hmm. being around my husband. Like we would try to do date nights and things like that. Yep, just to kind too. of give us some normalcy. Um, and like one of the things that we never had to do that I'm like thankful hindsight, like we never put up the nursery and things. So I never had to physically like, take things down so I just know like when people further are further along and go through those emotions and having to just take down nurseries and give away things that they you know weren't able to use that kind of plays with you mentally as well so like Mm -hmm. just along the line of my journey I can see kind of where I was spared a little bit um Mm -hmm. versus you know people that may have been further that's but, really awesome that you're able to see those kind of things, uh, though. It, like, it hey, well, time. this was, yeah. <laughs> but this I, was like I try to live with that. Yeah, I try to live with that silver lining mentality. I'm like, yeah. I have to find a way to flip this because yeah. if not, I would absolutely go bananas yep. mentally. And I, um, I think that that's, that's a really awesome trait to have. And that's uh, like, I have that too. And, and I think that that's, that's something that, like, everybody who's going through this should work on because it yes, truly is a blessing yes. to start try to start thinking like the silver lining yes like you said, yes yes and everything. like my dad is a pastor and so one thing he he says when he meets with people who dealt with loss he's never we had a, a person in our congregation that had a stillbirth um but before her we never were introduced to that so he said just having a stillbirth really hit home for him on how to deal with loss in other ways. Yeah. There's so many things to learn throughout it. That was something that I kind of took. I was like, I've learned so much from this process on how I can be there for other people. Yes. Yes. Um, And and that's a silver lining. Yeah. It it, it really gave me empathy for just people who go through things. Like you just don't know what people go through on a day-to-day basis. Exactly. And so you just really want to be kind, more kind. I know it sounds cliche, but just kind to people. Cause you just never know underneath the surface what is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but my dad always was like, just try to enjoy those. He's like, you got 28 weeks with your baby. Like that's something, you know, to count as, as a blessing, like, you know, just to be able to spend that time with him, even though, he didn't make it to the finish line per se as as a living baby. You you did get to spend that time and connect with him, and nobody could take those twenty eight weeks away from you. So 
Yeah. That's the way I tried to look at it, but it didn't I always work that. every day. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't always work. But hey, you can always try, right? And yeah. You don't move yeah. forward with just that. <laughs> um, so your book is called Still Here. Yes. Yes. That's the title. What yes. like what drove you to that title? So, explain that. so the full title is Still Here, a memoir of love, loss, and triumph after stillbirth. And so I took the journal entries that I was writing and it. That's what kind of sparked me to write a book because I was like, I don't want anybody to have to go through this as unprepared as I was. So it was almost like one, the first reason I say I wrote it is just for healing for myself, just to mm-hmm. pin out what I was feeling at the time. The second reason I say I wrote it is to help people like me. So that were, that may come behind me in my situation and that really just don't know where to turn. And so mm-hmm. they something kind of like a manuscript to help them walk through what's going to be next. Validate and, their feelings. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because you definitely feel like when you opened, I'm um, saying you feel very isolated. And I like to say that I try to eliminate the three S's, which is silent, secrecy, and shame of baby loss. So I just don't want people to feel alone because there's so many people who have been encountered with baby loss um mm-hmm. whether it was through them a family member a friend like if you really start to talk about baby loss you would be surprised at how many people are yeah. affected by it um yeah. so and the conversation doing... just really I, I like to start the conversation and yeah. then see where that goes you know yeah I always say it's a very selfish slash selfish act to share yes. your story because it's like you're you're doing it for you because it's very yeah. healing I mean <laughs> spreading hope brings hope back in return so it's like yeah it's very healing but it's it also is. for other people too and those are the it best is. kind of acts because it's a yes win-win. so yes um and that final reason I wrote it just is to inform people at large because most people don't really understand the underlying layer. They know you lost your baby. They they usually assume you don't want to talk about it. <laughs> they yeah. try to brush it off like nothing happened and try to go back to how you were prior to you having your baby. So those kind of things just make me, I'm like, I want to make sure everybody, whether you went through it or you're just a bystander, knows how to handle it so it's not so awkward like it doesn't yes. have to be awkward like it's because it can it be you, so awkward it can like you're in the grocery store and they're like how's your baby you're like oh and then you're like do I do I need to go through the whole spill or I lost my baby then they're like oh I'm so sorry you know they get to the sorries yeah. and, and it's almost like I don't need I don't even want that yeah sorry. yeah like, like it's like I don't it's want okay. you to feel sorry for yeah me. like I had a baby he was beautiful um and you know it just happens that he doesn't live here on earth but that doesn't mean he's not still here with me you know so it was kind of my love letter to him as well just kind of like my way to make sure his legacy stays alive Um, yeah and so I just wanted I just want to help as many people as I can spread stories let people know they're you know you're okay wherever you are in your grief journey so that's kind of what the book stemmed from now you do have a rainbow baby I do I do I want to hear about that (laughs) so it was crazy I found out with DJ that I was expecting in August and literally that next August so I had DJ in January I was pregnant again by that next August okay and so I was like August I guess is the month for me I don't know what, what it is about August but um, so everything went well again. They kind of considered me high risk, obviously, for um, because DJ was born still. Um, the crazy thing, before I got pregnant, we did an autopsy on DJ. And everything came back 
fine. So we never understood why never. it happened. Oh, wow. Okay. We never found out the reason. So that really... Did that play with your anxiety. head a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was just like, the. I think the first... Probably until that like 20 week mark I probably had such high anxiety every day because I was like I didn't know if I wanted to get connected with my baby because I'm like putting if a guard I lose up a, I, mm-hmm. if I lose the baby again I don't know how I'm gonna be able to stomach it like I just wasn't sure what well, to do what's so hard about like your situation is it's not even like you feel safe after that first try like you know what yeah I mean? you that's the thing like I was like, like everybody thinks like okay past the first trimester but I've met people who have had baby loss you know miscarriage early on second trimester third trimester full term so it's like once you get to this that that blissful pregnancy thing it's out the window like you're like I am doing you know you have to be very like just matter of fact about it like I'm pregnant today I'm gonna try to celebrate today and Mm -hmm. I cannot go past today Yep. Um, and so totally. that's kind of how I had to switch my mindset just to enjoy today and whatever day happens by tomorrow, day. Yes. Tomorrow. Yeah. I'm 34 um, weeks right now and I'm still day by day. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Like, day by day. I send so much love and positive energy to you because I know <laughs> how hard that is just to like mentally get yourself like, okay, oh. is he fine? I'm counting kicks. Like, because I didn't know what to, to count kicks and things like that when I was first pregnant. I just didn't know. It was a yeah. lot of things that I didn't know so the second time around I was like did he move did he you know very very aware of what's going on Mm -hmm. um and so then by the end of my pregnancy um I started going to the doctor very regularly and so one thing that happened with my rainbow he was born six weeks early so I had him at 34 weeks and so he spent a week in the NICU. NICU yes because his lungs weren't fully developed so that was like a whole nother like oh my gosh can I just bring a baby oh, it's just like another months. trauma yeah <laughs> oh my gosh like and I didn't know until later that I I like I was like I think I went through like a baby I don't I don't want to call it a depression but just like that baby blues yeah because it was like I, I still don't get to bring my baby home. Like, I had the baby, and I still don't get to bring him you home You had to leave the yet. hospital Exactly. Again, again yeah. with no baby. But this time, the baby was in the NICU. And so, like, he had jaundice, and he had, you know, just had to go through all these little milestones. And, of course, a week silver lining again. Not that bad, because there's babies that spend, you know, months in the NICU. And so, yeah, it was just kind of like trying to process again. Mm-hmm. But... I just adore him, um, and I definitely try to incorporate my oldest son or my my um, angel baby, as I call him, to my younger son. So he'll be two in March. But we try to mention DJ very often and regularly. Like um, DJ's, um, his birthday will be coming up this upcoming Friday, so we'll do some type of celebration for him. So I just want to make sure that. Grayson, who's my rainbow baby, and if I ha- do have any other subsequent children, that they do know who DJ is and, you know, what he meant to our family and his place in our family, you know? Oh, I love that. Yes. So it just it just means a lot. And, like, for Halloween, we dressed up as... I, I was saw like, that. <laughs> I don't think people, like, people were like, oh, we love your costume. But I was like, the, the backstory to this is why I just loved it so much. Yeah. We He's dressed a rainbow, up as right? a rainbow. Yeah. I was so the cute. son and my husband was like the the storm clouds. So I'm like, just to get to this rainbow, there's so much to 
you know, everybody sees the baby so excited, but it's like, you don't know the, the, <laughs> the backstory, backstory to get to this, this yeah. little rainbow here, you know? So we yeah. just are very appreciative of him. Um, he keeps us on our toes. He's definitely getting into that terrible two stage. So he's <laughs> all over the place. But I couldn't imagine life without him. Um, like I stay at home with him. So it's I just kind of get to interact with him on another level every day. So it's just it's a it's a great blessing. But I, I couldn't have got to him without DJ. So it just they like balance out my mommy journey, that you know. Silver lining again. Exactly. Yes. I love that. Um, <laughs> exactly. So if you had, if you had any advice for somebody uh, in a similar situation, not to put you on the spot, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> what would it be? <laughs> the the main advice I would say is take things at your own pace. Um, nobody ever does this the same way. So however you grieve, do it however you think makes you feel better. Um, and it could take a day, a week, a month, years, whatever that looks like for you, do that. And there's no straight path to mommyhood. Like mommyhood looks like a lot of things. So you can be a mommy in a lot of ways, you know. Um, oh, yes. So never give up, you know, just if if you really want a baby, there are ways to get a baby, you know. Yes. Um, And so it doesn't have to be the traditional way like everybody thinks. Mommyhood looks like a lot of things. So just... You know, just give yourself a break, give yourself grace, and all things end up working out in the end. So, yeah, I love yeah. that. So, where can <laughs> where can everyone find you that's listening to this? Because so, I'm sure after listening, they're gonna wanna look you up and follow your story. Awesome. Yes, um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Ali Andy Enterprise. That's A L I A N D E E N T E R P R I S E. Um, and then I also have a website, which is www.alleyandyenterprise.com. So you can follow me on all social media. I love to talk back to people. I love to hear other people's stories. So definitely shoot me, you know, a message or anything. And I love to connect with you. Awesome. And I will link that in the description of this podcast, along awesome. with your book as well. Thank and you. And just all the different ways to connect to the Life After Miscarriage oh. platform. So thank you so much. For no, thank you. Call. Thank you for having this platform. I think it is so necessary. And just God bless you for all the work that you're doing. And Bless over Thank that you. little baby. <laughs> yes, we're in this yes. together, girl. Yes, yes. I, I will definitely be checking up on you and just sending my well wishes to you because I know huh, the journey there is, oh. is very tough. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together. 